Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. This is our check-in podcast. Ooh, we're in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. We are, and it's important to check in with the people who you care about, the people in your tribe. We have many tribes, right? We have our family as a tribe. We have friends that are a tribe. We have caregivers that are a tribe. And then we have our caregivers and friends combined together that is part of our tribe, and that's us. That's right. And um, you could call it your tribe of coworkers. And you may have a tribe of, of parents who are all crisis schooling their children right now. Um, I think it's good to have at least one tribe, but if you can have more than one, that's, that's important right now more than ever. I think we're learning, um, we're learning a lot from each other and we're learning a lot about ourselves. A lot of strategies flying around out there on how to get through the day. And some days, are so different than other days. We're recording this on April 6th of 2020. And I'm just like on a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 is I'm fine. And one is, ah, where are you? (laughs) I am, I was at, I'm at a six today. Okay. That's good. All right. I don't, I'm, I don't lie to you, so I'm going to be honest. I'm probably about a three, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a good day. No, but it'll get better. It just had a lot of things on my mind like everybody else. You know, been basically working in a desk kind of place for like six weeks. And normally I'm on the road, I'm traveling, I'm giving speeches. And I've been, you know, working in first in the hospital chairs, then, and, you know, sitting at a desk and it's hard on your body and it's hard on your mind to change, you know, everything about your, um, your routine. And I'm worried. I'm worried about people getting sick and I'm sad about people dying. And so today I'm a three and I'll get better. I definitely let some people know that I wasn't feeling great so they could help me cope. (laughs) Well, I think that's important that you do that. And it's, it's okay to be three. It's where you are. You can do what's one of my strategies that I like is you can take your hands and put them over your heart and pat yourself and give yourself a there there. I remember that this morning when we were talking and you were doing your check-in with me and I, I told you I wasn't feeling well and then I said, I'm gonna put my hand on my heart. Well, one of the things I like, I think about with um, our caregivers, in, including me so I, and you, so, I, so I'm not talking about it as if I don't know what caregivers are or, or, or what it feels to be a caregiver we can often lose that connection of empathy, which is one of the things that you and I have spent time talking about and having somebody to comfort us. And empathy gives us that connection with people that's comforting because you know what I'm saying. You see me, 
you know my walk. Might not be the same exact story as yours, but you know my walk. And I know your walk. And that's that's what empathy is. And like, it's okay to be a three. I was a one on Saturday. I mean, I had a complete and total, or was it even that? It was Friday. It was a horrible breakdown because my, my glasses broke. And mm-hmm. they're so important to me. And they are for so many people. And we all have our reasons why our glasses are important. Your blind is about without your glasses or... For me, they protect my eyes, but they also really sharpen my vision. I don't see out of one eye, so I worry about that. I worry that my other eye will be damaged and I'll lose all of my independence. And I wondered how I was going to get them fixed. It was terrible feeling. It was a very helpless feeling on Friday. And so I didn't exactly take my own advice that day, like to give myself a there there. But the first thing I did was message you. <laughs> Nobody else knew. I didn't tell Tom, I didn't tell the kids, I didn't tell anybody else. And then later on, I posted in a group where people are pretty solution oriented and I came up with some good solutions and I, I found a different way to think about it. So I guess it's a there there, but it needed to be a little bit deeper than that. And, you know, I've always found that when your external circumstances are stressed or uncertain, that your internal um, feelings are magnified. So I think for somebody like me who does have anxiety and who has suffered depression in the past, and um, that when I start thinking about what's going on and thinking about my loved ones, and it has exacerbated the feeling, the feelings I already had mm-hmm. in life in myself. And then it's difficult to get away from it because we are all stuck at home. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, kind of go lose yourself somewhere else. It's, it's tough to walk away from it. What's, do you have another question? You had a list of questions, yes? Oh, yeah, I had a whole list of questions. Um, I wanted to ask you, somebody who's listening to us and they, they're like, okay, so Mare has a problem and she does great self-talk and she's practicing yoga and mindfulness, but um, what if I've never done any of that stuff? Where do I get started? Mm, such a good question. I would get, I would suggest getting started by trying some guided meditation, which you can find free in apps. Calm is one that people like. Tara Brock has some guided meditations. Um, and I can put a link to that in the description of this podcast so that people can find both of those. And I'll, I'll look for a few other ones because meditation is the beginning of, the, of mindfulness. And mindfulness is not just being in the moment of, of being like, oh, well, laissez-faire, I'm in the moment. I'm not going to, I'm just going to let everything go. In the moment is how you feel right now at a three. You're in that moment. That's how you feel right now. And you're, you're allowing yourself to, to be in that moment, to accept it for what it is. You are taking some deep breaths and you're now in the next moment, which may also be a three. But someday, maybe tomorrow, maybe later today, there'll be a four. And maybe it'll be a two, but you're in that moment and you're not hard on yourself about it. So you take a little bit of time and you allow yourself to feel it. 
it's okay to feel pain. It's not great to feel suffering. And when we allow ourselves to suffer, we make our, our life that much more challenging. It's that much more difficult because we're not sitting and accepting. Accept the pain, feel the pain, but not the suffering. Um, and I mean, this isn't a question, but it's not a crime to take care of yourself. That's why I keep reminding myself. So taking care of myself is going to be, um, I'm going to block out some time in my calendar when I don't have an obligation. I may work during that time. I may take a nap. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to block out my calendar so that nobody can make an appointment with me and I don't have anything that I need to do. Because like I think a lot of our listeners right now, I've, I've lost control of so many things. You know, and I think it's so easy to lose control of that. And right now, it's so many people are working remotely and they are crisis educating their children and they have a lot on their plate right now and so many people are so connected because of all of our devices because of our laptops because of our phones because of our ipads um, it creates a lot of stress because we don't create enough boundaries boundaries are one of the most important things that we can create in an environment like this and, and you know in a crisis in our own personal lives as a crisis you kind of all the boundaries go away. But now that we've been in this for a couple of weeks, some boundaries have to exist for you to be able to relax because relaxing is the one of the most important things you could do so that you can be better. You have to take a break from everything in order to build your reserves and your strength up again to be better and stronger for other people. It's like taking a break from working out. You can't work out seven days a week on end months weeks at a time you have to take a break you have to let your muscles rest and rebuild and even if you did you wouldn't see any gains from it no um, you'll burn yourself out and you don't want to do that i i also want to just as part of taking care of our our mental health you know and our routines are being interrupted um I think we all need to be really cautious about interrupting other people's routines. So like we're home now and I hear a lot of people saying, well, it just feels like one day is the same as the next day and it's Groundhog's Day. And it does feel that way. That doesn't mean on Sunday morning that you should be knocking out a whole bunch of work emails because quite frankly, that stresses people out who are normally working, you know, bankers hours Monday through Friday. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to myself here too. Um, now you and I work on the weekends. So you and I communicating on the weekends is a normal part of our routine. But um, for people who are working at home, maybe now for the first time, that's not a normal part of your routine if you go to an office eight to four every day. So don't do that because it's going to be harder for us to reacclimate back to our routine, back to our schedule back into our community, society, the more of those things outside of the routine that we do now, mm -hmm. break it. So, and that's such a good point. And I, um, you know, I've worked remotely since 2012. And e even in the last year, I have not been getting a paycheck because I left that job, but we've been working. We've been, you know, I do much of the back stories, back 
business of the I, the um, podcast that we've gotten started, and I've recently um, published a book. So I've done I've done kind of quiet work, but be, but I had a lot of training getting up to this point of not taking a paycheck right now, but still working. And I set a lot of boundaries when I was working remotely because I didn't at first. You learn from that. It kind of sucks you dry. And I've got nothing, I have nothing left. I found I, I would answer text messages from either my colleagues or my students because I was teaching online and, you know, it could come in at seven o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning. And, you know, that's crazy. It's a crazy amount of hours. Like, when do you take the time for yourself? I never had that in the classroom. I had to find hours that I worked. And so those kinds of boundaries are really important to your sanity. You have to take some of that time out. And I, and I did. I would put notifications on my phone, so like a, a do not disturb, so I wouldn't hear from my students before a certain time in the morning and after a certain time at night, and um, not answer my work emails after a certain time at night. So I, whatever that is, everybody has such unique challenges in their life right now, but you do, you do need some boundaries for, you need work boundaries. Yeah, big time. Okay, um, another question that we had come in, was about loved ones who live far away. And there's a lot of people concerned about their, their loved one. They, maybe they help them financially or with their legal matters or um, they you know, fly in once a month or every six weeks to check on their loved one, help them do shopping, organizing, that kind of thing. And, and this is a lot of people in this country that do this. Mm-hmm. And some of them fly to do it. Some of them, you know, they live in a couple hours away and they drive to take care of their loved one. Um, and they're not able to do that right now. So they're managing a lot of guilt. And some of them, uh, we've, we've even seen this on social media, some of them have expressed their concerns about germs and personal protective material and, and exposure to the virus. And there's this almost safety shaming going on. And yeah, I just wanted- I up this morning. That was so interesting. I've not heard that term. I may have coined it. And you know, I'm really good at chapter titles, but, but um, just tell me what your thoughts are about that. Safety shaming? Yeah. Um, because so, so like, if so do you mean like if somebody says, oh, you went out and you didn't have a mask on, how could you not have a mask on? So there's that, there's that one. So that would be safety shaming on the 10 side. And then on the one side is we can't all live inside forever. You know, like the, not everybody is going to get so serious. The media isn't telling you the whole story of all the people who are recovering. So we have these two sides. Like we have the, everything is going to be just fine and don't worry about it. That's a one. And the other side is we're killing all our disabled and elderly because no one's paying attention to the virus and we're spreading it everywhere and hanging out in groups and parties. And I'm seeing both of those things. Yeah, I think um, shaming in general is a terrible thing to do to people. <laughs> I'm not a fan of shaming. Shaming is kind of a, a bully tactic to have. Um, so I'm not a fan of that. How yeah. should it be handled? Um, well, I mean, I never like things in public like that anyway, but 
I would say, I don't know. I mean, my thought on it is, because I do feel um, sometimes compelled to share my reasoning behind things. Like I'm an advocate and I want to affect change, but I don't think I'm going to affect this. Well, I think it's so much bigger than us that I think that we can't, we can't, you can only do it in your small world. You can, and that's really, if everybody took care of their own business, I think it would work out pretty well. So I think if we encouraged our loved ones to stay home, to not be out, to not be um, having public displays, my neighbor a couple of doors down had a birthday party the other day. I don't think that was smart, but you know, I didn't call the sheriff on them. I could have, because you're not allowed to. And how do I know? Maybe they did only had 10 or less people there. I didn't go out and count. Did I think it was foolish? I did think it was foolish, but I didn't post it on my homeowners association Facebook page either. Um, and, and part of, for me, part of that is I'm staying home right now. And I would encourage everybody to stay home right now. I would listen to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Brooks, they, they're amazing people with amazing knowledge. And they're telling us if we stay home that that's a really good idea to do that. To use social media to do it. I would just have an encouraging post, but not everybody, not, and who wants to spend a lot of time really policing other, other people's comments? Yeah, I think when, when I made a post this morning about my thoughts about group activities, um, and my post was actually about the all these uh, neighborhood dance parties mm. trying to go viral with your with your neighbors living on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't personally like that. I think that's a I, I think that's an exposure risk we don't need to be taking right now. But I I didn't see that I didn't see until after um, I got some other people's perspectives that in a way it felt may have felt like I was bullying trying to like bully people into thinking my idea and I don't want that so I took it down and I guess I had some personal shame like man I don't want my opinions to be influencing to be causing arguments not especially not right now so thanks for talking me through that and we may have some listeners who think that and you know it doesn't just happen during a crisis like this um, we've seen it in the caregiving community. The way I care for my loved one is always going to be different than the way you care for yours or the way that somebody down the street cares for their loved one. And there's no shame in that. I mean, everybody does things the way they do them. And, no, and I, would, I would encourage anybody who is listening to us and right now and identifying with um, shame in that regard or in any regard to read uh, Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection. And in The Gifts of Imperfection, uh, Brene Brown talks about shame. And in order for shame to have, to, for shame to lose its power, you must tell its story. So that's a, that's a real. I'll put a link to that in our show notes. Butchered that, but I'll, I'll find your, uh, I'll find that quote because it really, it had a lot of meaning to me when she said that, because like so many people, I've experienced shame in my life. Some of it very powerful. Um, 
And so when I read that, I thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. And that's why telling our stories is so valuable. That's one of the reasons why. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about that too, because um, there's, I'll put a link to Brene Brown's book um, on our website, but the, you know, emotions are part of caregiving, right? We, you know, caring is an emotion and um, it's not always the good emotions. Shame and guilt are, are emotions. I felt guilty about decisions I've made as a caregiver about, um, how the, about how the things I did affected the outcome and maybe sometimes that was in a negative way uh, guilt about taking time away from my family members uh, I'm gonna also I'm gonna share a link to something that I use to name how I'm feeling um, it's it's called an emotion wheel and I think a lot of our our listeners hear us name our emotions when it comes to caregiving and um, so there are good ones, of course, but you can't just say, well, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm sad, but sad actually encompasses so many more terms. I, really, you could be hurt, you could be depressed, you could be, you could just be subdued, which is different, really, than being discouraged. Mm -hmm. But then you could take it even further and be like, I'm agonized, you know, I'm, I'm broken. Mm -hmm. I'm depleted and th and those are ways when we identify our emotion in a very um, distinct way then we can work to back ourselves you know out of it if it's a negative emotion or to reinforce it if it's a positive one does that make sense yeah it does make sense and and if you can allow yourself to have that moment right like I needed that moment one of my glasses broke I was agonized over that and I needed that moment. I did, the last thing I needed was somebody to tell me, well, you could go get a new pair in a few weeks. Don't worry about it. It's not the worst thing. There's a lot of bad things going on right now. Like, okay, I know that there's a lot of bad things going on right now. How do I not know that? Of course I know that. But right now this is really bad for me. And I'm so mad at myself for breaking them because it was my own fault that they broke. I put them in my pocketbook because I couldn't see, because I had the mask on and my glasses kept steaming and I didn't put them in a glass case. So it was my own fault. So I was angry with myself on top of that. And I'm the only one who can fix my problem. Nobody can fix the problem. I don't have anybody here to fix the problem. And if I can't see and I can't drive, then I don't know what the next step is for. So I was agonized over it, right? I don't have an answer for that and I don't need an answer for it right now. I have tentative ideas, but I don't need to live in that moment right now. Um, but I did need to live in that moment right then. Yeah. And, it, and, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's important to give yourself permission to feel whatever emotion you're feeling. And, you know, your emotion, I don't want to define it for you, but in that way, I think you felt, you know, you felt helpless and you felt overwhelmed and you felt vulnerable and you felt, and you felt remorseful for putting the glasses in the case to begin for taking them off because they were fogging up and it's okay to feel all those things and i think it's really stressful going into a supermarket just saying i feel like I'm that makes me feel daring territory when i go in there so i'm in you're in the supermarket people are getting into your personal space they're 
not wearing masks, they are wearing masks, some wearing gloves, some people, because they are wearing masks, feel like they can't get in your personal space, there's still not all the stuff on the shelf, the things that you're used to shopping for, and I'm gonna do all of this by myself. So I'm gonna do all the shopping, which is huge, I tried to get enough for weeks, right? And so then I gotta bring it all in, I gotta disinfect things, he can't go near it, Tom can't go near it, he can't help put anything away, it's all, it's like hours and hours of work just going, oh. and then my I think it took you four or five hours to execute that whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and your glasses broke that added another couple of hours because you aren't able to see, you've got to think about where your other glasses are. You got to think about how you're going to solve it. So you doubled your anticipated workload. Oh my God. I was so done by the end of it, but I will say that I take really good care of myself on so many levels now that I think my recovery was better. And I would encourage our caregivers to listen to the, their bodies. And I think what we can do for ourselves is to, to ensure that we're working toward a level of physical fitness that's good for us. And that's different for everybody. So I, I would not want to sit here and define what is physically fit for you or um, any of our caregiver friends or anybody in general, I think it's different for everybody. I'm 60, you're younger than me. Our fitness levels are different. Whatever would be good physical fitness for you, whatever, whatever makes you feel good physically. And I don't mean drinking mimosas. I mean, like <laughs> whatever is, whatever is, a like your body's a temple. So whatever it is that makes you feel clean and good physically, that's the first thing that I think when we take care of that as people, but especially as caregivers, it's a gift and it helps you to recover from your really bad moments much quicker. I'm doing something this past week that hopefully it has started to make me feel a little bit powerful during this situation where I have less power and it is, um, definitely making me feel more confident. I feel proud of this decision. I want to keep working towards it. Um, for the past week, we've been doing a ladder of exercises every day. What does that mean? So we, it's a set of workout exercises. So we do um, push-ups or you can do plank, crunches, and squats. Wow. And on the lat on a, you do it on a ladder. So the first round you do one push up, two crunches, and three squats. And then the neck, then you do times two and you double it. And then you do times three and you quadruple it. That's a great idea. And you can do that without any home equipment. No home equipment. I do use a yoga mat because I have carpet. Um, and the dogs are sort of strangely interested in this. And so they bring over like toys, like we might want to play with them. Um, and then um, to starting today for the next month, I'm going to participate in a squat challenge. And um, all of this is going to culminate in me doing a workout of the day. Great. And I'm, yeah. What does so a I'm workout of the day mean? A workout of the day is, it's kind of a CrossFit fitness term, um, if you were looking for a brand for it, um, but it's basically a, a set of things that you do in repetition, so it might be 
10 crunches and a 200 meter run and then 50 jumping jacks, whatever it is that you want to do for yourself to work on different parts of your body. And you can, you might do that once, you might do it five times in a row um, for whatever time period that you have to work out in a specific day. And I've been inspired by my friend um, and teammate at Wound to Wear Project, Jeremiah Polly. And um, actually going to do a webinar with Jeremiah tomorrow that uh, to teach people how to do this, to teach other caregivers how to do this. We're going to have, um, I invited Jeremiah to be a guest on the show. So maybe our next episode, we'll, we'll talk to Jeremiah about this whole fitness thing. But what he does is he dedicates his workout of the day, which he calls a WOD, W-O-D. He's <laughs> a military guy. Um, he dedicates it um, in the memory of someone, in memory of a loved one. And it inspires him to do it every day. Like, all right, I don't, you know, I'm doing this as a dedication. And so Jeremiah's alive day, which in the military world uh, means the day that you didn't die, but you could have. Mm -hmm. His alive day is Wednesday, April 8th. Um, Jeremiah was um, wounded in Iraq by an improvised explosive device, actually not very far away from where my brother was wounded. And unfortunately, um, Jeremiah lost a member of his squad, a young soldier named Jody. And so Jeremiah dedicates his, is dedicating his workouts right now to Jody. And he's going to tell us about Jody during the webinar. And I'm sure on our podcast, we can learn more about him and, and Jeremiah honoring his memory. So I got to think about who I'm going to honor. And um, that's going to not only, it's just going to empower me, I think, to keep up this workout, to get healthier. I think part of the reason we talked at the beginning of the podcast about how, where are we feeling scale of one to 10 and I'm kind of low right now, but I think getting these keeping this fitness up is going to help me. I do feel better afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, do, is that going to last me a while, Mayor? I think so. I don't, it's even hard for me. It's a challenge for me to take a day off. And, and then when I do take a day off, um, I, I chair, I end up cherishing it because I get to feel all the rewards of my working out and I do a lot of working out. I run almost an hour on my treadmill. I do a lot of interval running. I do a lot of yoga, probably four or five days a week. Um, and so it's changed my perception of myself because I've lost a lot of weight. I'm, I'm almost I'm, I'm close to 40 pounds of weight. No way. And you didn't take any supplements. You didn't do any uh, apps or. Nope. And I didn't, I didn't go on any um, canned diets, like not canned food, but like I didn't do Weight Watchers or. Not that those diet. are bad, but you, but you just didn't do those. Well, I, so I don't believe in diets actually. So I, I'm not not my judgment on anybody for anybody else whatever works for them they should do that they um i mean and that's the same with working out right like so whatever works for you that's that's what you should do um for me i feel like a diet is a mindset that says to me oh well when that ends you will have lost x amount of pounds and then your diet's over but i wanted to change my lifestyle so i counted my calories and i I, so easy to do. I don't really like the calorie counter apps because they're, I don't know, they're just like, they're just a pain. You know, they have like all of the brands in there and then you got to scroll through them. 
So I just look things up like how many calories is an egg and how many calories is ketchup? How many calories is ground beef? So I'm gonna, if I'm gonna mm -hmm. have a hamburger, I can have like 5.5 ounces of a hamburger, no roll, and I can still have ketchup. So I haven't denied myself things that I really enjoy. I build it into my calories for the day, which is work. But if you write it down, you kind of have a list of all the things and you have a routine of recipes that you like. And every once in a while I go outside those recipes and I create something new and different. Um, I'm not a very picky eater and I don't necessarily need a lot of fancy food. Well, because somebody said to me, well, yeah, but I really love olive oil and it's so good for you. So and I was like, well, okay, but you're not ready to do what I'm doing then because you're finding all kinds of excuses. <laughs> like, if that's what you like, olive oil has is a great food choice, right? It's good. It has a lot of healthy components to it, but I measure mine out because that's what matters to me. So um, I think if it makes you feel good, that, that that's what you should do. But taking care of yourself physically helps you take care of yourself emotionally as well. Well, we identify that as a really important thing to do. We talk about that a lot in this podcast. And so I've got to listen to my own advice. Um, hey, speaking of, of uh, people listening to us, we, um, we had the opportunity to share our stories and our concerns about caregiving during the COVID crisis uh, in an interview last week, and it was published. That was so cool. And in fact, he sent us a message. Did you see your email? Um, I have. So we're talking about J.P. Lawrence of Stars and Stripes, and um, he talked to Mary and I and a couple other folks about what it's like to uh, be a caregiver during the COVID crisis and think about running out of basic med medical supplies and think about who's going to care for our loved one if we become ill. And we don't have answers to all those questions at this point on, you know, March on April 6, 2020. But um, I was really uh, impressed with the Stars and Stripes stepping forward to ask the question, to present it to people who are in a place to perhaps find the answers to those questions. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Really appreciative for that opportunity to share our story and for our voices to be heard. We'll, well put a link to that. In on that. You did such a great job, and I thank you for inviting me to be part of part of the article. Um, it was not easy to talk about those really um, challenging, devastating realities that we're living with. Um, what was our last podcast? Was um, worst case reality? Yeah. Right. And that is, it is a worst case reality. Um, but we got the word out. I think probably a lot of people read that article and, and didn't think about things that they're thinking about now. Well, and I think that's for us, that's what this is all about. That's what makes this caregiver life um, worthwhile is that we're taking our challenges and turning them into uh, what we hope is, is a soft place to land for others who are experiencing that. And I think, I hope we're also translating information to the community at large so that they can understand, understand um, what this caregiver life is all about and do their part to help. I agree so much. And I have, um, I have a quote that I want to share as mm. we get toward the end of our podcast here. It's a, a quote from Buddha. There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now 
into the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body. That's from the Buddha. And I think so appropriate to now. We can find moments of joy, even in the midst of all this chaos. Well, with that, Mayor, I think we'll sign off. Of course, all the links to our social media and our email will be um, in the show notes here. And uh, you can find us everywhere that, that you are. And we'd love to hear from you. So please connect. But um, until next time, Mayor. Until the next time.